Welcome to Tell Me More About Co-Housing with Lynn Morstead and Kelly Soika. Co-Housing Houston is a multi-generational community-minded group of people who share the values of connection and sustainability. We are developing the first co-housing project in Texas, in Houston, even ahead of Austin. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Lynn. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm great. It's not Monday. It's not Monday. Well, it's not Monday because we had a lovely post-quarantine Memorial Day weekend, and I think both of us really enjoyed ourselves visiting with friends and family. And wasn't it great? Mm. We we actually spent Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night, all three nights in a row, eating with other people. It was just. It was just so, it was nourishing to our souls and our just whole well-being in a fabulous way. And it actually got me thinking about eating and co-housing and just how fantastic that's going to be. Yeah. And what do you think? Community dinners. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Community dinners. Favorite nights of the week. That's awesome. (laughs) So we talk about eating and co-housing today. Yeah. Let's talk about eating and co-housing because, you know, as anybody who has uh, listened to one of our public meetings knows, we talk a lot about that there are three keys to building community Mm -hmm. in in co-housing and out, you know, that these are three things you can do to build community in your life. And One of those three is to have shared meals with frequency, you know, to have a time where you meet with other people and, uh, and eat and that that's really key to building community. Um, and I was thinking about, you know, yeah, say more about that. Why why is that like digging a little bit deeper? It's fine for us to just proclaim that it's true, but why Mm -hmm. is it true? Um, and one of the things I was thinking of is, so one of the other keys is that you have to have these everyday encounters. You need to like you know, just run into people with some frequency. Great. Mm-hmm. That's the catching up stage of life. How are you? Yeah. What are you up to? Where are you going? You know, that kind of stuff. But community dinners allow you to go past that first stage of catching up and move into the relationship building stage. You know, if you're only ever just kind of encountering people and saying, hi, you're never really moving on to anything bigger. Whereas mm. the time that community dinners offer you you know, to sit next to someone and hear more deeply about their day or more deeply about their lives or more deeply about the book they're reading or the TV series that they just finished binge watching or whatever, you know, that moves you um, out of this catching up stage and more into the relationship stage. I think that's, you know, know, that I'm really glad you said that because that kind of makes me think about what is kind of wrong sometimes with our after church coffee hour is because those connections are just so thin. We're just kind of glancing by each other. And I find myself just repeating the same conversation because I, I don't have enough depth with that person. So I'm, I might be asking, you know, every week or once a month or however often, like, how, how, how are your mom and dad, you know, or how are your kids? And we never go beyond. So that's really great. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the time, you know, there's some other elements about eating together that I think are key. Mm. Um, You know, walking together works too. It's kind of has a lot of the same elements or um, with my kids driving in the car, you know, I'm driving, they're looking out the window and we're having a really deep uh, relationship conversation um, dinners do that too, you know, cause it gives your body something to do while you're mm-hmm. having this kind of relationship building. And 
if the conversation goes sideways or, you know, something that you need to, to take, yeah. you can just pop a bite of food in your mouth and chew on it literally for a little bit before, or get yeah. up and go get seconds. You know, there are, there are kind of these social options that are available to you that allows you to be comfortable within the context of that meal. And that really helps with relationship building when you feel open and comfortable because you know, you have options. You're not being forced into some yeah. awkward, weird conversation. Nobody right. likes that. I, I don't know if you find, it just strikes me that the thing about a meal is that it can be as intimate and as private as you want it to be, or it can be at a much different level. Because like you say, it's, it's kind of like parallel play, right? Yeah. You talk about driving with teenagers. They often say that's the best way to connect because you're not in their face. And, mm-hmm. um, but by the same token, you can kind of keep it at a, at a more distant level if you wish, you know? but you can dive way deep and even probably go off into a corner somewhere of the room that's more quiet and seems like it offers a full range of connections. And that's funny, Lynn, because in my experience with community dinners, particularly watching my kids operate in community dinners, you know, at the beginning of the meal, everybody's there. It's kind of loud and everyone's excited to see one another and they've got their food and get settled. And um, the kids wolf down their food circle around for dessert and then they're out of there they are out of there to go like <laughs> hang out and play be together yeah um, and the adults then you know some adults are are like still in the work day or still you know have stuff to do or just aren't feeling it you know that that was the mm. their social contract for the day was to sit and eat during that time and then some people who really are open and um, interested in a little bit of a deeper connection are there um, you know, together and you'll see little kind of clumps of people mm. at, the, at the tables. And then there are the people who are the cleanup crew, like the two or three people who kind of like to be there, the, you know, those people at the end of the party who are always there willing to help because that's where the sweet spot is for them, where they just talk one-on-one with another person while they do mm. the work cleaning up, even if it's not their responsibility, they're the person who's there, um, there to help. So it's kind so of- the- I- I've got another question for you. How does it work? And maybe it's community specific and you can just speak from the two communities you lived in, but kind of wonder like, how do do people tend to sit always with the same people or do they make an effort to, you know, sit in new places or how does that work out? Yeah, it's funny you ask that because so, you know, in co-housing, half of the work is the social design and half of the work is the built design, right? You have your cars away mm-hmm. from homes, et cetera, et cetera. So in meals, half of it is the social design of their being together. And then half of it actually is also a built design because people arrange the tables in different ways. So one night you might have one really long table. And so everybody is there kind of, you know, Viking style. And, oh, wow. and so you're kind of forced to sit with different people because those are the seats that are left. And then some people set up, you know, maybe six, I don't, I've never seen four tops because that's a lot of tables in a common house, but Mm -hmm. you know, six or eight. And Mm -hmm. then you kind of clump up a little bit with the other people who you know Mm -hmm. um, better or who, you know, you eat with more often. And then there's the, you know, I'm late. (laughs) I'm late and I'm just going to sit next to- Squeeze anywhere. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And there's also usually some rearranging. So like people start out where they eat Mm. And then as people leave, 
you know, oh, I need to go talk to so-and-so about mm-hmm. work there. Oh, I want to hear about, mm-hmm. you know, so-and-so's trip to whatever. And then they kind of reclump in different ways too. So it's, it's mm-hmm. not static in any meal either usually. So do people save places? Like, would you go in and save a place for your spouse or for your kids or your best friend or, you know, how does um, that work? I have not really experienced people saving places, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe if they really did need to talk to someone that would be Mm -hmm. socially okay to do, but usually people don't do that because you generally don't sit with your spouse or with your Ah, children because you can meet with those people anytime. Um, But the, the, I mean, toddlers, if they're in a, in a high chair, you know, you'll see a high chair. It also depends on how they're set up. So a lot of co-housing community meals are set up so that you gather your food, your plate, your water, and your mm-hmm. uh, utensils, and then you go find your seat. Okay. Others, the tables are set. And so therefore you might claim a spot. And yeah. uh, so I know in Fort Collins, uh, the sign was that you kind of tipped the chair in and that you were going to, you had taken that plate and you were coming back yeah. to your spot. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. You know, one, one thing that I was also thinking about when you're talking about people coming in, that kind of buzz and excitement, one of the things that just sort of flashed through my head was the smell, you know, yes. that there's something about having all those smells. And I like the way our design is very open so that the kitchen smells will be wafting into the dining room. Yes. And I've heard that smell is the most persistent deep memory that we have. Yeah. And I'm just, just was thinking how, oh my gosh, maybe all these smells may come back, evoke memories from my childhood or going to my <laughs> grandma's or things I haven't cooked in decades that somebody else might cook. And I find that prospect of that pretty exciting. It is exciting, isn't it? It's just so, it's also the smell of a freshly cooked meal that Mm. you can cook yourself. Um, Maybe this is a mom of three comment, but every time I would walk in and I would smell a meal that somebody else had prepared Mm -hmm. for me and for my family and for my community, it's just this smell of love and care and warmth Mm -hmm. you know, just all of the good things that make you really happy to be there. It's, it's just delightful. I love that. Yeah. And, you know, I often find that a meal that's home cooked with all that love like that tastes much better than if I had cooked the exact same meal with the exact same results, <laughs> yeah. because I'm just worn out. You know? Yes. It's <laughs> nice too to be, to have it be unexpected. So yeah. that, that to me is the difference too, between a restaurant meal that obviously mm. I'm cooking myself but that I've ordered, that I have put, you know, made my preference versus a community dinner where you're just going to show up and you're going to eat and like, whatever, not eat and not like whatever it is that the person has prepared. And, and that's fine. You know, there were, there were definitely some banana nights at our house where we would come home and everybody was like, that was not Not so good. Yeah. 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 We would, we would eat a banana, but what was for us was being there together in the community and loving the person who had made the meal and, that was, mm-hmm. that was really important. Well, you know, when I, w- I went to the co-housing conference in 2019, I went to a talk given by the co-housing research network and they are building a database of uh, information, uh, hopefully as part of a, of a broader longitudinal study on co-housing. And one of the things that they cited that they've already established is a high correlation between community satisfaction ratings and the frequency of meals together. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say one element of that, Lynn, I think, is that um, 
Co-housing often attracts uh, introverts, people for whom having a more defined social contract is, is key mm. to their happiness, right? To know that I'm going to come to this work day and work for this many hours, and then I'm going to be relieved of this, you know, mm -hmm. I, I don't have to, it's not going to drag on forever or the kind of open-ended social things that make, um, make introverts kind of uncomfortable. Meals are great for that because they know that they can come and have the meal. They know exactly what the kind of expectations are from that and then and then go. And so I imagine in most co-housing communities, if you have regular meals, it's an opportunity for, you know, statistically what, like half of your community to come out and, and be together and that that increases a feeling of satisfaction mm. in the community. And then the other half, the extroverts, it deepens their relationship in, in ways that are, you know, they, they probably would have figured that out anyway or found it anyway, but now they're there with the whole community, mm -hmm. which is better for, um, for extroverts too. So I think on both, on both sides. Of yeah. Work. Of course, I'm thinking of my introvert husband who will be have much higher satisfaction left because he's not having to meet my needs as an <laughs> extrovert. So yeah. he can quietly slip away if he wants to. Yes. And leave me to spin myself out with the other extroverts. Yeah. I think introverts like having work also with uh, something. It's, you know, mm. a, a lot of people, I'm, I'm not actually not even going to say introverts, a lot of people like having something defined as opposed to just like standing mm -hmm. and chit chatting. That's hard to right. do. That takes a lot out of people. Whereas having, you know, I go and I get my meal, I sit and I eat, maybe I have a, you know, extra glass of water afterwards, I put up my plate, I offer to do dishes, mm -hmm. and then I go home. That's a pretty easy mm. uh, lift, you know, yeah. it doesn't take a lot out of you. I wonder if the introverts listening are going to say, what are these two doing talking about us? They have no <laughs> idea what our life is like. So apologies <laughs> in advance to all yes. introverts. We are not. You need presuming. to start your own podcast. Yeah, we are not presuming to know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the other question, of course, is there anything else, else you wanted to say about relationships? Because there's one other kind of burning question that people ask about. Well, okay, I want to say one last thing about relationships before we move off. I think that, you know, relationships are formed in a lot of different ways. Um, shared work is definitely one of them. So regular community meetings are also important. Um, you know, those kinds of everyday encounters of brushing up mm -hmm. against people are important, but they're very short. Mm -hmm. um, and so community dinners are a little bit different. They're kind of the, the third leg to how relationships are formed. Mm. They're expansive in that you don't have to stay on a topic or there's mm -hmm. no agenda, you know, but they're time boxed. So they don't feel, um, you know, like they're going to go on forever and they're long enough that you can have a conversation mm. and somebody, you're not holding somebody up on their way to, to go wherever. So I think they're very unique and very special. They're special. I love that. I'm going to have to memorize that expansive, but time boxed <laughs> and also long enough so that you can go deeper. That's really cool. Thanks. The statement of contradictions, Lynn, yes. <laughs> all wrapped into one. <laughs> yes, exactly. So let's get to that next burning question, which actually I'm not very interested in talking about today, but we get asked this all the time. Uh, how is this thing organized? This seems highly complicated. Yeah, people get really like wrapped up in how it's not that hard. I mean, every community does it 
in their own way and they do it well and they do it well because they do it for the way that works for them. So, mm-hmm. you know, who pays for it? How, what is, how is the common house stocked? You know, who does the organization? Ah, all of that stuff. It's not, it's not that difficult. Every community is different. Stay tuned. We'll tell you how Co-Housing Houston winds up doing it. Thank but. you. Thank you. Good. We're, we're not going to dive into those details yet, but we will yeah. have a, we can have a, a PowerPoint presentation on how that works out <laughs> well, later. We, we as a group, I'm sure we'll get spun out and then unspun about it too. So, yeah. so stay tuned for that part. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so um, are we wanting to talk about what we're going to cook? Actually? What are you going to cook? So this comes from one of our community meetings. One of our members um, used as kind of a, an opening question. Mm-hmm. What It's your turn to cook in the common house. What are you going to cook? And the answers were awesome. They were all over the place. They were, you know, like just everything. People, people have a very, very, very high level of expectation. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think sure that- we're going to feast like that, but it was a really sweet it was. I think the thing that we will all be in learning mode about is, I think, the cost, because I think there were a couple of really fantastic ideas that people had, and uh, you experienced co-housers in the group were going, nah, we're not going to be able to afford that. So yeah. <laughs> the scale-up factor is going to be a big thing. But we do have one recipe that we regularly cook if we're going to have 50, 60 people for a big event at our house, yeah. and that is red beans and rice because it can be for vegan or vegetarian. We can add sausages around the side for those people who cannot imagine a meal without meat. Um, So that's kind of our standard go-to. How about you, Kelly? What's your go-to? Mine's like a very, it's the most co-housing of meals. I think it's soup, like some sort of seasonal soup, a salad, uh, with vegetables. Hopefully we have enough production of uh, vegetables to be able to gin up a salad mm-hmm. and, uh, and bread, gluten-free and regular bread. <laughs> That's, and you know, at the end of a day, when you've been at work all day and you come home to that, it is totally lovely and nice. Oh. Well, great. Well, thanks for filling us in on some of your experiences with eating and co-housing. That sounds really great. Gets me just all the more excited about going there. So thanks everybody for stopping by today. So glad you clicked on our episode. For more information about our project, Cohousing Houston, go to cohousinghouston.com and subscribe to our newsletter. For general information about cohousing, we like cohousing.org. We're really active on social media. So check out what's happening on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Cohousing Houston. And we'll see you next time. Bye.